I have waited years for an introduction like that. Uh, we are live, and we are glad that you're here with us today. A um, couple of things as we launch into the continuation of our For You series. First of all, I want to say thanks to uh, Pastor Kayla for uh, bringing God's Word last week in my absence, and as I took a few days off to to uh, visit some friends in Florida and uh, be a part of some life events there. And then secondly, I, I just want to let you know that a couple of you had asked about what we might do in order to help the folks who are um, refugees out of the conflict in the Ukraine. And one of the things about the Church of God that I love is that the Church of God movement is around the world. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ in over 80 countries that affiliate with this movement called the Church of God. And through that connection, there's a, a, a pastor and church in Germany that has direct connection with the churches in Ukraine. And so um, if you would like to, we're going we're gonna to receive, if you'd like to give funds to do that, here's what we know. Every penny you give us, we will send to, the, to them. They're very trustworthy people. Um, and it will get directly to uh, the people who need the help over the next few months. So if you're with us on campus or online and you'd like to make a contribution either to mail it in uh, or to uh, give it in the uh, offering boxes here on campus, uh, please on the memo section just simply write Ukraine and we will make sure that all of those funds get there. Also do want to remind you that two weeks from today is our Impact Sunday and this is March and as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, uh, February was a tough month for us uh, financially and so our financial year ends at the end of March. So um, if God's blessed you and you want to be a blessing to the kingdom work here at Eastside Church, uh, we would love for you to do that before March 31st. Uh, that'll allow us to continue to move forward with what he's got for us. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for who you are, for how much you love us, for the way that you provide for us. Even in those times, as Heather said, when we, when we are sometimes so distracted by the, the everydayness of our life, and then suddenly we cry out to you, thank you that you always, always, always answer. And today we pray that you would help us to listen. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and show us exactly who you are and how you want to be for us today. For it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. When I was an elementary age boy, my, uh, my father was a pastor and, and a couple of different times during my elementary years, he changed churches. And, and usually that would mean changing states. So we moved from like Kentucky to Texas to Illinois, back to Texas to Mississippi. So when people ask me where I'm from, I just, if it's just easy, I'm just like, I'm from Mississippi. But I need to let you know a very little known secret. I was born in Indiana. I'm a Hoosier. None of you talk like me, all right? But that's because of all this moving around. But when I was a kid and we were doing that moving around, one of the advantages was that I got to see lots of different cultures and I got to be impacted by lots of different people. And one of the things that happened was I developed a love for reading and I developed a love for poetry. And when I was, a, when I was in Southern Illinois as an elementary age young man, the, the, one, of the, one of the teachers that I had 
at Washington Elementary School in Flora, Illinois, introduced me to the poetry of Robert Frost. And Robert Frost was an American poet uh, who actually died in 1963, I think, and wrote much of his poetry around the turn of the century. So much of his work is now over 100 years old. But there's a poem that Robert Frost wrote. Ironically, he wrote it about New England, but he actually published it when he was living in England. And many of you know it, but, but this morning I, I want to read it for you because I think it sums up where, where a lot of us are and where Jesus was in the Sermon on the Mount when he got to the, to the part that we're going to look at today. Listen as I read. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry, I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I would ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I... I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. When Jesus was talking to the disciples and the crowd gathered on the mountainside, in this discourse that we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter five and six and seven. He comes to a point in that discourse where he's beginning to, to help them understand that what it means to be the people of God, living in the kingdom of God, is that we make choices. And when we make those choices, they impact our lives much longer than we actually anticipate. What Robert Frost was getting at is that, that there are choices that you make. And sometimes the choice comes down to a road that is well-traveled and a road that is less traveled. What Jesus would say to the disciples is that the road he's traveling, the road he invites you and me to travel with him, is a road that the majority of people do not travel. It's not well-worn by thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions and millions of feet. No, no, it's, it's the way that, that is, it's walked on by a smaller group of people, by, by people who understand the power of their choices. Because you see, our choices can either lead to our, our contentment or they can drive us to our discontent. Our, our, churches, our, our choices can, can drive us to a, to a place of discontent. When we choose incorrectly, when we choose to live our lives in the way that 
we want to live rather than the way God has created us to live. When we choose to live beneath the design God has for us. We live in a world where we want to think our discontent has to do with the condition of the world. Our discontent has to do with our circumstances, with the things that are said about us or happened to us or the places that we've been, the encounters we've had. And yet what Jesus wants us to know is that you have a choice. And if you choose him, if you choose Jesus, choosing Jesus changes everything in your world. The way Jesus said it to the people who were listening to him on the mountainside that day is an interesting, interesting discourse. He uses a choice between two options, and he does it three times in the passage. Listen as I read the passage for you and think about the choices that that he is laying out before us. The first is this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You you cannot serve God and money. Now, when we hear that passage, we, we immediately start thinking about, now, wait a minute, he went from treasures in heaven versus treasures on earth, and he he went from eyes that see light to eyes filled with darkness, and then he goes from from what it means to serve God as a master or to serve money as a master, And, and, and yet those three things are connected in the culture in which Jesus was living. And I would suggest for you this morning that they're connected for us. That just like Robert Frost was laying out for, for all of us to consider that, that there are choices we have to make in our world, choices we have to make in our lives, that when we make the right choices, it leads to contentment. But when we make the wrong choices, then it leads to the living of our discontent, to the, to the frustration, to the, to the hurt, to the pain. Now, I realize for some of you, someone else's choices have, have impacted your life. Someone else's choices have, have really impacted who you are. But, but this, this morning, I want you to know, even if someone else has made a choice that has impacted you in a horrible, painful, desperate way, you have a choice in how you live in reaction to their choice. And, and if we're going to really understand what it means for God to be for us, if we're really going to understand what it means for, for God to be for people, And for those of us as the people of God to live in the kingdom of God so that the world knows that that as the people of God, we are for them. We believe in them. We believe they were created in the image of God just like we were. No matter how different they may be in language or in culture or in skin tone or in economic level. If we can make choices that lead to contentment rather than choices that drive our discontent, I think, no, no. 
I believe that the world would be a totally different place. And I believe, I just happen to believe with all of my heart that that's the result God wants. God wants the world to be a whole different place than it is right now because people understand that God is for them. And he wants us as the followers of Jesus to be the communicators of that love, that grace, that mercy, that God is for people to make the choice to allow people to experience Jesus Christ in all of his love, in all of his grace, in all of his mercy. And so this morning, I, I just wanna, I wanna walk us through what Jesus said about these, these three choices. Uh, the, the first being the choice between two treasures. We have a choice between two treasures. The treasure of earth, where moth and rust can destroy, and where thieves can break in to steal. Or the, the choice of a treasure that is in heaven, and moth and rust don't enter there, and thieves don't enter there. And, and what, what Jesus is doing when he says, you've got the choice of which of these treasures you can, you can experience, is he's saying, listen, if you put all of your focus on the treasures of earth, if you put all of your focus on the things that, that you can see and touch and feel, then you're gonna miss what is truly valuable because the things of earth are vulnerable. Uh, years ago now, I uh, had a gentleman come in my office and uh, when he came in my office and he sat down, he said, I'm here to see you because I went to my 20-year college reunion and my college girlfriend and her husband introduced me to Jesus Christ. And I said, that's awesome. He said, yeah. He said, uh, said I, I, I was raised in, in, a, in an institutional version of the Roman Catholic Church and Christianity was just this religious thing, but, but I saw the difference it made in, in their lives. And, and when we were at that reunion, I kept asking, what's different in your life? And they said to me, hey, I, it's because we met Jesus. He goes, Pastor, I, I, I used to do a lot of drugs with that girlfriend. <laughs> Pastor, I used to have a pretty, pretty rough life with, with the guy who's now her husband. And Pastor, I just got to tell you, Jesus did something in them. I mean, there was something different. They said to me, it was because of Jesus. So I, I just, you know, I, I accepted Jesus. I, I wanted whatever it was they had. I said, that's great. So why are you here? He said, because they told me I had to come home and find a church that taught the Bible. And I, I've been living in this community for a while. And I've heard you at a couple of places and while you don't know me, I know this. You believe the Bible's true. I said, thank you very much. I do. That, that's good. And he said, he said, yeah. He said, but here's the problem. So I asked Jesus into my life. My wife didn't go with me to my 20-year college reunion. She had another college she went to. And when I got home and said, hey, I, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord, and I'm going to try to live for him, she said, you can't live here and do that. I said, excuse me? He said, no, she, she basically said, if you're gonna choose Jesus, you're not choosing me and the kids, and you have to move out. I thought, well, what kind of crazy story is that? I mean, I've, I've read James Dobson's books. I've, I've subscribed to Focus on the Family. Jesus makes the family better. He doesn't just tear it all apart. 
And he said, no, no. She, she says, I can't come back in unless I say I'm not following Jesus. I said, really? I, I said, can I talk to your wife? He goes, I don't know if she'll come, but yeah, if you want to talk to her. So we made an appointment later on that week for his wife to come. They came together. We talked a little bit. Then he stepped out and watched the kids, and I, and I just had the opportunity to talk with her. I need to tell you, folks, for two hours. For two hours, I used every argument I could think of. I, I used to be on the debate team in high school. I used every philosophy of debate. I used every way to try to convince somebody. I used Bible verses. I used the gospel road. I used tracts. I used D. James Kennedy's evangelism explosion techniques. I used everything the Christian world can have. And you know what? At the end of three hours, she looked at me. And she said, listen, Reverend, I just, you know, you don't know me, I don't know you, but let me just put this really plain for you. I am not gonna follow Jesus. I said, but you follow the Guru Maharaj. She said, yes, sir. I said, well, how do you have faith in some guy and not have faith in Jesus? He said, it's real simple. I said, it's simple? She said, yes, sir, it's simple. You see, I can see the Guru Maharaj with my eyes. I can shake his hand and touch him and know he's real. This Jesus, this Jesus, I can't see him and I can't touch him. I said, you mind if I pray for you? She said, it won't do any good, but go ahead. So we had prayer, went outside. I motioned to my newfound friend. Hey, come back in here a minute. And he stepped in my office and I looked and I said, dude, I am so sorry. I thought you were making this story up. I said, but you're telling me the truth. He goes, yeah. She said, choose Jesus or choose her. I said, so what are we gonna do? He said, well, I don't know about you. You're the pastor. <laughs> he said, but here's what I'm gonna do. See, I've been reading my Bible, and there's this verse that says, unless you love me more than father or mother or sister or brother or husband or wife, you're not worthy of the kingdom. And when I know what Jesus has done in me, the experience I just had, the forgiveness that I've, that I've felt, Pastor, I, my marriage to that woman was bad already. But if I got to choose her, choose Jesus, Jesus wins. Now, can I tell you something? That's kind of radical in the church these days. That's kind of radical teaching. But what Jesus is telling the people gathered on the mountainside, and what I think he's telling us, is that there are some treasures that, that quite honestly, will fade away. I mean, the things that, like, this woman said about the Guru Maharaj, I can see him, I can touch him. Can I tell you something? The Guru's gonna die. And he's not gonna be resurrected. That happened one time for all time for one person named Jesus. So if you're placing your trust, your faith in some religious leader or some personality or some charismatic individual, can I tell you something? That's not gonna last. Jesus is who lasts. And what Jesus is saying to you and me is that when our bodies decay, when our treasures decay, when our things are, walk, are no longer alive, 
there is an eternal thing. You see, the, the earthly things are, are vulnerable, but the eternal things are valuable. But Jesus doesn't stop there when he talks about the two treasures. <laughs> I mean, look, look, at the, look at that verse again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, we want to think where our heart is, our treasure is. <laughs> now, what Jesus is saying is, look, what you spend your time focused on, your treasure, that carries your heart. So in this world, in this post-pandemic or ending pandemic world, as, as you are looking at your life, my question for you is, where are you placing your treasure? On the things that are vulnerable or the things that are valuable? You got a choice. You're standing with those two choices right there. You have to make one. The, the second thing Jesus said was that, was that we have a choice between two viewpoints. Uh, we have a choice between two ways of looking at the world, two, two viewpoints that are, that are totally opposite. I mean, look at the way he says it. He, he says, you know what? If you have an eye or your lamp, oh, let's, let's look at that verse. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What does he mean by that? See, for years I'd read that passage and think, wow, man, I gotta, you know, I gotta watch what I look at because you know, the eye's the lamp of the body. I gotta make sure what comes in my eyes is really what's good for my soul. And, and I think that's true, but there's more. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's using something that, that those of us who live in the 21st century don't know about the first century. He's using a cultural idiom, a way of talking about things that, that the people hearing him on the mountainside would have understood that we don't have a frame of reference for. It's kind of like when you, when, you, when you talk to somebody from another region of the country or another part of the world and they talk about something, you're like, what in the world are they talking about? That's what a cultural idiom is. And the cultural idiom that Jesus is using is this phrase, so if your eye is healthy... See, a healthy eye was a, was a way of saying that someone was generous. Someone had mercy. Someone was open-minded. Someone was easily given to love. And what Jesus is saying is, look, the eye is the lamp of the body. And so when your eye is filled with light and your eye is filled with health, it's going to cause you when you choose your treasure to, to choose the treasure that's valuable, not the one that's vulnerable. But, but what he's also doing is he's saying, if your eye is bad, that's another cultural idiom. See, the bad eye in the first century Jewish culture was a, an eye that was tight-fisted, stingy, greedy, to have a bad eye, to be filled with darkness meant, meant that when you chose your treasure, that you chose the vulnerable, but, but you chose the vulnerable in such a way that, that you, ex, you expressed it with a, with a harshness and a greediness and a, and a way of wanting everything for yourself. You see, it's, it's back to that choice. Am I choosing the eternal or am I choosing what's going to fade away? And so to be a person who's 
whose eye is the lamp of their body and lets the light in. Means, means you've, got to, you've got to choose a viewpoint. Are you going to choose a viewpoint that's healthy and based upon God and, and his love and his grace and his mercy and his abundance? Or are you going to choose a, a cynical, critical, tight-fisted kind of existence? Because what Jesus is wanting those people to know and what the Spirit of Jesus wants us to know is that when we choose correctly, when we choose the valuable and we choose the open-handedness and we choose the light of Jesus Christ, then we choose a way of living that can actually be impactful on the world. Because the people of God living in the kingdom of God have to do interface with the kingdom of the world and the people of the world. And the way to do that is not with a closed fist. It's not with a hammer. It's with an embrace. It's with an openness. It's with a love. It's with a way of authenticity to say, you know what? When you choose what is really valuable, it's forever. And it's marked by grace. And it's marked by goodness. But unfortunately, a lot of us make those kind of choices the way a little preschooler that I knew about made his choices. This little fella had a predicament. He came into his, to his mom in the kitchen, having been out in the living room of the house. And, and when he came into the kitchen, he, mom, I'm stuck. He had put his hand down in his mother's most prized, valuable, expensive vase. <laughs> You know, the one that she showed everybody. Maybe you don't have one of those. My mother had one, then she had three sons. Now she has none. We broke everything that poor woman had. When she went back to, when she went to Jesus, it was like, okay. <laughs> Silver and gold have I none. That would have probably been her favorite verse, you know. But this little fella came in and he said, Mom, my hand's stuck can't get it out. And so she tugs on it, pulls on it. She goes and gets some soap and puts on it, try to lubricate it off. That doesn't work. Goes, gets Vaseline, tries to put Vaseline. He just cannot get his hand out of that vase. And so finally, she takes this, she takes this prized, expensive, valuable vase that she loved. But she loved her son more. And so she took a hammer and she broke the vase to get the boy's hand out. When she did, she discovered that her little boy could not remove his hand from the vase because his hand was clenched in a fist. And she said, sweetheart, why do you have your, your hand in a fist? And he smiled so big and opened up his hand and said, mom, because there was a quarter in that vase. And I got that quarter. Aren't you proud of me? She, she just broke a vase worth hundreds of dollars for a quarter. Now some of you look at me and say, Pastor, you're making that story up. No, I'm not. Because some of you live it every day. Because you choose what you believe to be valuable when it's really vulnerable. And you hold it with such a grasp and you hold it with such a tightness that you are literally letting the things that are priceless and valuable be broken 
because all you hold on to is your perceived value. I mean, a quarter to a preschooler is a whole lot of money, but it's not worth an exquisite vase. Jesus says, listen, you've got a choice. You can choose the treasure of earth that's vulnerable. You can choose the eyes that are unhealthy, that are full of darkness. Or you can choose the treasure of heaven. You can choose the valuable. And you can choose the light that makes you a person of great love and compassion. But then he doesn't stop gives us one more choice. He said, you also have a choice between two masters. You you have a choice between who's in control of your life and who's not. See, Jesus, Jesus never says that money is bad. He never says that possessions are wrong. He, He never says that. What he says is this, It's not wrong for you to have money. It's wrong for your money to have you. See, that's that's the difference. For those of you who've been blessed, and by the way, when I look at the world around us, when, when when I travel internationally and speak in places where I see the level of life and the economic prosperity, and then I come home and I see this, I see us, Trust me, even those of you who are struggling right now with inflation, those of you who are struggling with unemployment, those of you who are struggling in this world, compared to the rest of the world, unless you're watching us online from some other place on the globe, I can pretty confidently say you've been blessed. Years ago, we brought one of our leaders from from the Ivory Coast, from Cote d'Ivoire, here to the United States. We'd had a couple of work camps who had who had gone over and helped build some buildings. Some of you were on those work camps. And Pastor Daniel Engerin, who has since gone to be with the Lord, and I was honored to preach his funeral. But Pastor Engerin came here for the first time and a couple of different people from our church, some of you who are here, hosted him. And I remember, I remember one of you coming to my office and saying, Pastor, I just had the most humbling experience I've ever had. I said, well, I said, well, Pastor Daniel wanted to know where the poor people lived. So I took Pastor Daniel and I drove him to the places in Anderson that we all agree are the poorest places in town. And when we're driving through, he, he looked at me and said, I ask you to show me where the poor people live. He said, these are the poor people. He said, but, but there's a house there and there's, and there's a car in the driveway. He said, and they have clothes. He said, I wanted to see the poor people because where I live, there are people who don't have homes, not just temporarily, but permanently. And there are people who have one set of clothing. And, and I just need, needed to know if that was true here. You see, when, when, we, when we make the choice to serve money instead of serving God we're choosing we're choosing the vulnerable and the dark instead of the valuable and the light please hear me there is not anything sinful about success with your business there's not anything sinful about prosperity in terms of your possessions 
as long as you understand Jesus is the one who's in charge of everything you've got. Because those are the choices we have. What Jesus is saying to the crowd and what he's saying to us today is simply this. You're standing at two roads. Just like Robert Frost 100 years ago. And down one road there are all these people who, who have traveled that direction and they have leaned into what ultimately will pass away. They've chosen what is actually vulnerable and they've chosen what they think to be light but it's actually darkness. But, but there's another path. It's a path in which the people of God understand that Jesus is the king of the kingdom and that Jesus is the one who's in charge. And we choose the valuable over the vulnerable. We choose what will last over what will fade away. We choose the light instead of the greediness and the stinginess and the hardness of our hearts. We choose mercy and grace. And in doing so, we serve Jesus as our master, the one who is in charge of everything. And so this morning, I just wanted to know, are you content? In your life where you are, is there contentment? Is there balance? Is there peace? Because if if your choices have driven your discontent, you need to know if you choose Jesus, he will give you contentment. He will give you his peace. Contentment doesn't mean everything's easy. Contentment means you know who the master is. Contentment means you know who's in charge and you've been able to trust him. His name is Jesus.